Well, good morning. Welcome to Battleground Community Church. Take a copy of God's Word. Let's open it up to Psalm 67. Psalm 67, if, if you're one of our guests, be it here or online, let me, let me welcome you and sort of orient you as it's what we do on a week-to-week basis. Uh, we work through books of the Bible here. What we are doing now is we're working through to chapter 72 in Psalms, and then we're going to take a break from Psalm. We're going to go to a, a book in the New Testament. We're going to work through it, and then we, that's the way we study God's Word. So you always know what's next. Uh, your, our, our small groups that meet all different times, curriculum, if you've got your notes, is right on the back. It's simply a series of questions um, that we meet to talk about to make sure that you understand what I've preached and know how to apply it into your life. And in just a few minutes when we get through, we'll all respond. Because every time the word is preached, we all respond. And so we'll have a time to respond, be it through your verbal worship, through commitment of what the Lord's doing in your heart at that moment. But also you'll see the tables are prepared on both sides. This is where we give. You see the baskets are set up. This is also where we celebrate communion. And so when you, when you are ready, um, the praise team always sings a couple of songs to prepare yourself You come to the tables, you get your elements, you go back to your seat, you take it whenever you're ready to take it. You don't have to wait for anything other than what what you're ready as we do this corporately. We do this every week. And so just wanted to orient you to what we do. Let's stand to our feet now. As we see, we remind ourselves what we are reading is God's Word. Um, But also what we are reading is, is a song. What we are reading is poetry, uh, and so all of that comes to bear on not only how we read. And so Psalm 67, beginning at verse 1, it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the Word of God. Let's pray with me. Lord, as we've gathered here today on the first day of the week, we do so because we remember as your people that you you resurrected your Son on the first day of the week that guarantees our salvation, that guarantees that you are going to bless your people. And so, Lord, we have come here to not only receive from you, but to learn how to give what you have given us So this is what we have to give. And so, Lord, we pray that you would teach us, instruct us, comfort us, orient us. And we trust that you will because you're God, you're our Father, and you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. So John Stott nailed it this week when he he calls this a missionary psalm. That's what it is. And so this psalm anticipates, and it's, This is profound when you think about it. It anticipates what we are experiencing today. 
a day when we seek out to evangelize the nations for Jesus Christ. That's what it's looking for. If, if you remember last week, we talked about the danger of getting our worship funnels upside down, our worship funnels that should begin with nations and neighbors, the church, and then us, and what happens when we flip our funnels upside down that everything, including worship, becomes about us. And so we're, last week, Psalm 66 talked about, we talked about how to flip that thing back right. And so we are practicing it this morning because this is about our neighbors, this is about the nations. But it helps us understand that our praise and prayer are inseparable So is it okay for us Christians to say, Lord, bless me. Uh, Lord, bless my family. Lord, bless my life. Do you not think that God desires maximum joy for his people? The answer is, well, of course he does. He doesn't enjoy minimum joy, (laughs) minimal happiness. And so look at your main idea today. It's on your notes at the top. God blesses us so that we might go and glorify him by making him known among the nations. I just want you to see three reasons today why we pray for God's blessing in our life. Three reasons. The first is so that God's people might praise their God. It's, these, are, these are profoundly simple this morning. Look at verse 1. It says, May God... Be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Now, that verse you're reading should sound familiar. Why is that? Because it's, it's already, he's just quoting something that he's already been told. Um, do you remember Aaron's blessing to God's people? It's found in Numbers 6.24, if you want to refer to it. Let me just read the original in Numbers 6.24. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Verse 27, So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. This was a prayer that the priest prayed over God's people. For God's blessings. We're, we're thinking about blessings today as the smiling face of God in our life. The smiling face of God in our life. So what does it mean when we say God bless me or God bless you or your family or this church? Uh, well, all we need to do is think about some of the Psalms that we've studied over, over this these past weeks, sometimes we've talked about, remember the last couple of weeks, his awesome deeds. It looks like rescue. It looks like salvation. It looks like deliverance. It looks like victory. It looks like in Israel's life from slavery to the promised land. And by the way, if you don't see that in your life, you don't understand the gospel. Slavery of sin, deserving of the wrath of God. So now we're his children as we've got singing, seated at his table? You, me, are you kidding me? Yes, that, that's, 
When we pray for God's blessings, this is what's in our mind. We, pray, we think about the precious gifts that God gives his people. Just listen to this. 1 Corinthians 12, you can look it up if you want, 27. Talking about spiritual gifts. It always sort of irritates me. Sometimes a chapter breaks, just breaks up what the text is trying to get us to grab sometimes. And we don't understand it. We end up arguing about the wrong things and not pondering on the right things. And just think about this. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers to understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver my body up to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. The point there is love. That's the gift that he gives us. And we pray for God's blessings in our lives and the other lives. All that we would not miss the love of God that rescued our hell-bound soul. We pray for blessings. We pray ultimately for His abiding presence. This is intensely in the original uh, uh, relational. But this can be tangible support, spiritual strength. In other words, when you pray for blessing, don't be surprised when he sends you a person. You pray for blessing, don't be surprised when somebody that looks a lot like us shows up into your life. Because when God blesses you, he's usually going to send you one of his kids to do it. That's the way he blesses us. It means to lift up his countenance. It means a smiling face, not a frowning one. So I got a question. This might be the most important thing to think about this morning for many of us. Just be honest with yourself now. When you think of a father, okay, think of it. What kind of face do you see? You got it up there? Do you see a smiling face or do you see a frowning face a skeptical face maybe a cruel face maybe an angry face be careful that you do not impute your earthly father's qualities and their failures on a perfectly heavenly father you will never understand blessing they are a contrast and sometimes an example but God is the model he is the father by which every person else is, is held to the standard of. Our prayer includes material blessings, but I wanted you to get this morning as best I could that that is not even close to the center. If you read Numbers, if you just read the context in Numbers, this is about a blessing because God has made a way to bridge and have a proper relationship with God because the, a proper relationship with God is the highest blessing of our life. So then let's understand the foundation of this smiling face. 
One of the guys I read this week said mercy is a foundational attribute of, in our salvation. And if that's true, and, and, it, and it is true, then it's like last week and the week before, the psalmist oftentimes begins with forgiveness. That no matter what we're going through in life, that we begin, we orient ourselves back through remembering that we have been forgiven, that we have a means that God has made a way for us to have a right relationship with Him. And that brings us to gratefulness no matter what we are going through. It transcends any season of our life. I want to make sure you didn't miss what we were singing and what Micah was preached to us this morning already. The praise team through song and through the word. So let's look at it again. Blessing in the name is what we're talking about. Being blessed in the name of Christ. That's the ultimate blessing. If you don't have the name, you got nothing. You got nothing. Philippians 2.9 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted Jesus Christ and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the name with which we've been blessed. And so... Let us go back to what Micah just read. Let's make sure we understood it. Let's make sure we understood it. Turn with me. You need to see it. One of the best chapters in all the Bible. So wonderful. Ephesians 1. So doctrinal. So good. This is is one of those chapters that you need to come back to when your funnel gets upside down. When life seems to be upside down, notice the word blessing. Notice who it's in. Notice notice these things. Verse 3 again. Let's read it again. You You can't get too much of this. It said, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us. How? In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him... We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses with which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to the purpose with which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we may be the first to hope in Christ to the praise of His glory. In Him you also have heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and believed in Him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. That's what it means to be blessed. That's the heart of it. That's the heart of it. Some of us are believing lies this morning that is robbing us of our joy and God of His glory that we are anything less than what God has told us we are in Jesus Christ. 
We are who he says we are. It matters not how we feel, and it matters not how somebody who come along behind us or in front of us says that we are. We are who our Lord is. He's the only one who died. He's the one who gave us the Holy Spirit, and he's the one who gave us a guarantee that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm going to take what he says. That's what it means to be blessed. That's just verse 1. That's good, isn't it? So, we receive this beaming face of God because of the personal work of Christ. And what that produces, you see, you got to grab this in the, in the text. But now look back at Psalm 67. What this produces is a chorus. Remember, this is a song. This is poetry. These often have choruses that repeat, just like we got through singing today. The chorus is verse 3 and 5. Look what the chorus is. And remember that funnel that we talked about last week. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Do you see the direction that the chorus is? The chorus is not saying, oh, look at me, look how much God makes of me. God really thinks a lot of me. It's not the point. Proper foundation leads to proper worship. Proper worship is always outward. You know what happens to a church that turns inward? They die. Outward worship calls people to worship, calls your neighbors to worship, calls the world to worship. And we're willing to sacrifice our life if that's what it takes. This chorus is also prophetic because it is looking towards a time when the nations will worship Yahweh. Ephesians 2.14 describes the Paul is trying to describe for these two people what it means to be saved. You've got to understand this. We live in a time that's polarizing. We've got hate groups everywhere. Just join this group. Join that group. And hate everybody else except your group. There was two groups that hated each other in that day. The Jews and everybody else. The Gentiles. Listen to what? Paul says he says verse 14 of Ephesians 2 for he himself is our peace who made us who is us Jews and Gentiles people that once hated each other people that didn't look like each other people that had different cultures from each other he made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility Verse 18 says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. God brings people that were once estranged, and he brings them together, and he calls them family. He seats them at his table. He gives them his name. There is no distinction. So we are blessed with the smiling face of God so that we can be a blessing to others so that it flows out of us so that number two so that God's way might be known verse two that your way might be known on earth your saving power among the nations so the first line is better understood by the second line your way may be known about the nations. What way? Your saving power. Your saving power. So this, this is two things. 
This is what I call saving power and sovereign economy. There's the saving power. That which was revealed, manifested to Israel, is being now pronounced and declared among the nations. Let the non-Israelites praise you. That's what it's saying in original context. Psalms 98.3 says, He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Israel was blessed in order to be a blessing to the Gentiles. I want you to see that today, that God has an economy. It didn't begin with the Great Commission. It began in Genesis, the Great Commission did. He never changed His plan. God's not responding to our sin. God always had a plan. I want you to see his economy. All we could start at Genesis 3.15. Don't have time this morning. Let's just look at Genesis 12. Notice his economy. This is what the psalmist is pronouncing. This this was always the plan. Genesis 12, verse 2 and 3. Remember Abraham? By the way... Put this in your notes. It's not in, it's not in your notes if you want to look it up later. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2 says that Abraham's father was an idol-worshiping pagan. That was his lineage. That's where he came from. God chose him out of that. You want to see how God works in salvation? Understand that and look how, how God saves Saul. That's the way he saves people. And we are no different. Genesis 12 verse 2. I will make you, speaking of Abraham, called Abram to start with, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so do you, you see it? Let's make sure. So now turn with me over to Galatians. Galatians. I just want you to see this. Galatians chapter 2. Let's just take a little. Let's just understand God's saving economy. Galatians 2.15 says this. We ourselves are Jews by birth and know and, and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have believed in Christ Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So it wasn't the law. The law was purposed, do you remember, as the standard to show us that we could not live perfectly, but we were required to live perfectly. Be perfect. Your God in heaven is perfect. And so he says, doesn't matter whether you're a Jew. doesn't matter whether you're a Gentile. We are all declared righteous before God by faith in Jesus Christ. Look down in chapters 3 and verse 7. It says, know, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, listen, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, 
preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is the plan. This was always the plan. The Old Testament foreseeing, foreshadowing, pointing to, and preaching the gospel. That's why you are saved today sitting in this chair. Because that was God's plan all along. Look at verse 11 in chapter 3. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. By the way, he's quoting the Old Testament there. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You see that? It was always his plan. Verse 24, chapter 3 says, So then the law was our guardian until it came in order that we might be justified by faith. Verse 29, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. Oh, look at chapter 4. While we're thinking about God's economy, we can't miss chapter 4 and verse 4, can we? But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, so that we might receive what? Adoption as sons. And because you are sons, that's who you are, sons and daughters, the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you're no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. And in chapters, chapters 5, he says, So then us, let us walk like the people that we are. That was the plan. The psalmist was singing it, and so must we. So we pray for God's shining face in our lives, but we also pray for it to all peoples. Why? Why? Third prayer, so that the nations might be glad. So that they might be glad. You see, look at verse 4. Unless they're under his lordship, they cannot be glad. Unless a nation is under his lordship, it cannot be glad. Unless your life is under his lordship, it cannot be glad. Let the nations, verse 4, be glad and sing for joy. For you judge peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. One guy said the nations will never be glad until they bow the knee to the Lord of all. Listen, brothers and sisters, we read Philippians 2 a minute ago. Uh, Sometimes we as believers are all too ready for the God's justice to fall, bringing all people by force under his lordship. But it is the psalmist's desire that they would submit to him willingly now so that they might be glad. Because when Jesus comes back, they won't have another chance. And we seem like we relish in in Jesus coming back with a white horse and a sword, and we don't realize that the people who have not bowed the knee to King Jesus won't have another chance. 
Now, you can only be glad now. And if you're not glad now, you won't be glad then. This is about the nations being glad now. Why? Because God the judge responds wickedly to no one. His law is righteousness. It is God's right judgment that delivers the captives, that rights the wrongs, that releases the oppressed, that defends the abused. And we are only the church when we see that and understand we have responsibility. When somebody prays for deliverance, we're coming to them. God's sending us when someone's abused. Listen to this, Psalms 33, verse 12. We know this, don't we? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That's what he's praying for. That the nations, Matthew Matthew 28 even says it clear, that we pray for all distinct people groups. So those hard-to-reach Muslim people groups that might kill you if you go to them, we're still supposed to take the gospel to them. Many of our brothers and sisters got in canoes with their own caskets in them to go to the cannibals. Why? So that the cannibals might be glad. The cannibals, so that we might be glad. Somebody came to us, and we must go to them this is good though, verse 6 and 7, with the, Jesus as Lord, there's always hope. This was good for me this week. Uh, with Jesus as Lord, there's always hope. Verse 6, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. It's connection here between our salvation and God's provision. Present blessings gives us hope for future blessings. Matter of fact, past blessings give us hopes in present trouble for future blessings. We can pray for things more with boldness and conviction. When we, when we pray for it, not merely as an end to ourselves but to embrace the mission of God in that end. Give this to me so that I can, I can make disciples. Give this to me so that I can go. I don't want to rust. I want to keep moving. I want to be active till the Lord calls me home. This was the quote of the week for me. God bless us is our assured confidence. He may smite us, or strip us, or even slay us. But he must bless us. He cannot turn away from doing good to his elect. Amen. So what today? Well, is it okay to pray for blessings? I hope, did we get the answer to that today in the message? Uh, maybe a better question is this. So I thought about that question this morning. Are you glad? Are you glad? The Lord sent his son to die on a cross to make you glad. And if you're not, the nations never will. It bubbles out of us. We are the ambassadors. We are the messengers. It's just the way God ordained it to be. 
So as we come to a resounding yes, it doesn't mean I'm always happy. Didn't, I didn't have every day this week I was happy. But nobody has the ability to rob me of my joy because it's rooted in what we just got through talking about. The issue is that we fan into flames these things in our life so that literally we want our funnels to sort of run over, you know, like, like filling up your funnel too quick. And it sort of splatters out on everybody else. It's actually a good thing. So how can I be a blessing? Let's get our funnel right. First to the nations. We always leave the nations to last. But let's get it right. Um, we have these over there on the blue table and on the wall. Um, we're Southern Baptists, which means we're part of the IMB. We cooperate together to reach the nations. We love to give. Uh, this is just a prayer guide to help you pray. Pray. Uh, look up Joshua Project online. You can just Google it. It'll pop right up. Print out a prayer guide. Pray for the nations. Give faithfully. We're part of a cooperative program that the cooperating churches give so that our, our missionaries don't have to come home and spend their whole, whole leave raising money. We give so that they can be trained and that they can go. We give every week to the cooperative program. We give to Lottie, Moon, and Annie that goes 100% to them. But we need to be able to go actively. And so I, we, we voted on this. I just want you to know sort of how it's developing too. We just got through joining the Pillar Church Network. It's a church planning network. And I just reached out to them and say, say uh, Brother, can you help us in the future go more strategically? Can, can you help us to go? So when we go somewhere, we are going to help strengthen and establish the local church. He, and he was like, Man, just tell me where you want to go. And so that's why we joined. So that we may be a blessing to the nations. And so that we may be a blessing to his church. How can I be a blessing to my neighbors? That's Luke 10 Helps has to help us understand. Remember, that's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, who exactly is my neighbor? Uh, Jesus, by the way, said a good, your, your neighbor is the one who shows you mercy. <laughs> Remember, the backdrop of that was a lawyer trying to earn his salvation. And Jesus condemns him because he failed to do the great, greatest commandment of all. And so, how can we be a blessing to our neighbors? Show mercy. Show mercy. That's the greatest commandment. The great commandment work is meaning to set you up for the great commission work. If you try to do the great commission work without first doing some great commandment work, you don't build any trust with people and they don't really believe that you care about them. So show mercy and then give them the word. This is the end. You have not done God's work until you get to the word. Ultimately, the blessing here is the word of God. It is God's word about how man can be brought into right relationship with him from the one end of the book to the, to, the, to the end. We want them to be saved. That's, what, that's the simple way. We want them to be saved so that they might be glad in him. So that they might have a hope that no one can take away. 
greatest commandment that we can give is the gospel. The greatest blessing we can be is to give them the gospel. I want to show you this. These are also available too. These are just called three circles. It's just an evangelism technique. There's some on the table. There's some on the wall out there. We're going to be teaching this in the spring. But I just wanted to introduce you to it. To pick up one of these if you want to on the way home and look at it. In other words, that way you will be equipped to both show mercy and get to the gospel through a normal conversation with whoever it is. That's what we've been called to do. That's how we can be a blessing to our neighbors. Listen to Peter. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. Verse 10, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. Do you see how that motivates you? As you understand the gospel in your own life, as you understand that you're a recipient of mercy, then you show mercy and you get to the gospel. And God makes them holy. Not my job to make them holy and then bring them to the gospel. My job is to get them to the gospel as soon as possible because the Spirit of God is the one who sanctifies. How can we be a blessing in each other's life? Right? You see how we funneled that down? How can we be a blessing in each other's life? Galatians 4, 9, that we were just in, says that in our own life, we seek to know God and to be known by God. We seek to know God and to be known by God. So this is simple, brothers and sisters. Simple. Just look at Jesus' life. God the Son came and invested His life into 12 ordinary, imperfectly, slightly jacked up men. They knew him, and he knew them. That's the model of discipleship. In order to help people follow Jesus, they got to know you, and you got to know them. And if you live in isolation on your farm, isolation... In, in, your, in your apartment and close the garage door down and don't come out until Monday, you are, you are sacrificing the glory of God in the fear of man. God saved you so that we may make disciples. We cannot be a blessing to the nations, to our neighbors, or even into each other's life if we don't step out into the light. People don't need your intelligence. They need you. They don't need you to have all the answers. They just need you to walk with them through the valley of the shadow of death. That's what they need. So just be there. That's how we be a blessing to the nations. That's how we be a blessing. Go to the nations. But when it comes to your neighbors and when it comes to each other, just be there for them. And if you're too busy... Quit blaming it on your children. Quit blaming it on your work. Lest God take it all away from you to show that He is first and best. Don't use valuable things and treasured things as an excuse to be disobedient. I warn you today. I'm, I'm being a little prophetic there in our life, in my life. Don't, don't use those things as an excuse. They are treasured things. But we are here to be for each other in our life so that the world may look on and say, Dude, look at that church. That's what didn't know what they did in Acts 2? You bet it is. Galatians, 
I just found myself staying in Galatians this week. This is one of my good parallel books for this. It says this. This is the New Living Translation. I just thought it nailed it. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Verse 3. If you think that you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. <laughs> I, was just like, I was like, oh, that's good. Blessings bring gladness that spills over like a funnel into the nations, into our neighbors, and into each other's life. Let us do that, brothers and sisters. Now, brothers and sisters, let us, let us respond. Let us respond in worship with our mouths vocally. Let us respond in how we give. Let us respond by coming to the tables. Let us not forget that our Lord Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. Let us not forget that there is coming an eighth day. An eighth day when God will step into time and space. And there will be no close to that day. And we will all be together. And all things will be made right. We remember all of that when we come. Because Jesus provides it all. He provides a family. He provides eternal hope. And he provides present hope. Through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so now, let us come. And let us respond. Let us pray. Lord, we, uh, we just thank you for this time. We are humbled when we are reminded that there are many people all over the world in different time zones. Some are responding in the suffering church of China by gathering secretly in homes and businesses under the threat of Jail or death. Muslim countries that are... People have lost everything. They've lost their wives. They've lost their children. Lost their husbands. Simply because they followed you and yet they love to gather and worship you. Nothing separates that. Oh, how priceless it is to worship you when that worship has been taken away from us. And so, Lord, we gather here, and now we come to you to stand, to use our mouths. Lord, some of us use them better than others, and it really don't matter. Lord, that we may use it, that we may leverage our lives, our gifts, our talents as we leave here for your glory. We might leverage our homes, our jobs. But Lord, now, we just want to be glad. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here, maybe they might be very, have been very religious all of their life. But Lord, you would answer that question. You're not, you haven't been glad in my son and his finished work. You don't need to sign a card or pay a prayer. Lord, just, just lead them to pray right where they stand. Just save anybody anywhere. Lord, that they might be saved. And so, Lord, as we come now to the tables to give generously and to have communion with each other and with you as we remember the work for our redemption is finished once for all. And so, Lord, as we celebrate that, you be magnified in Jesus' name. Amen.